Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. It is Friday. Glad you're with us on the Three Martini Lunch. Your stool awaits. We have good, bad, and crazy martinis for you today, brought to you by Gabby. Take two minutes right now to check your car and homeowner's insurance. Gabby, G-A-B-I dot com slash martini. And Jim, this kind of goes where we uh, find the, the, the fuzzy dividing line where we have our conservative strong points and our libertarian streaks when it comes to uh, rights in the face of police. I think that's where our libertarian streaks generally come in. So kudos to the Louisville Metro Council for actually taking a concrete step on an actual policy uh, in response to what happened in their community, the Breonna Taylor raid. Uh, and I think it's going to be a model perhaps for others around the country. NBC News has the story. All 26 members of the Louisville Metro Council voted on Thursday to pass a ban on no-knock warrants, a measure known as Breonna's Law, named after the former EMT who died in a police raid at her apartment. The unanimously passed ordinance, which still needs to be approved by the mayor, bans any search warrant that does not require police to announce themselves and their purpose at the premises. It requires any Louisville Metro Police Department or Metro law enforcement to knock and wait a minimum of 15 seconds for a response. Louisville Mayor Greg Fisher says he'll sign it as uh, soon as it hits his desk. And of course, Louisville's in Kentucky. Rand Paul is a Kentucky senator. He's introducing a federal bill to end no-knock warrants. He calls it the Justice for Breonna Taylor Act. And so, Jim, uh, I think you'll probably get some debate on this on the right. I'm sure there's lots of folks in the law enforcement community who say you can destroy a lot of evidence in 15 seconds or longer. But uh, in terms of uh, things you can get most people around and preserving rights while also letting police still, for the most part, do their job, I think this is a good one. Yeah, I mean, everyone kind of has, this is the sort of issue where if it had been proposed five years ago, 10 years ago, probably the public reaction would have been significantly different. I know the guys, libertarians at Reason Magazine have been beating the drum on this for a while. You know, most people have in their heads, whether it's, you know, Crockett and Tubbs or, or you know, your, your uh, typical police SWAT team, you know, police, and they, you know, kick down the door, they use either the sledgehammer or the battering ram, and they rush in, and somebody comes through the windows, and, you know, boom, they got them. And if that's the way life worked, I, there wouldn't be any objections to this. The problem is, is that sometimes these no-knock raids, all of a sudden, all the person sees is someone coming through the door with guns. Hopefully, they're announcing themselves as they're coming through the door, but if there's a good chance somebody could say, oh my goodness, I'm being invaded, or, or some other, you know, instinctive reaction. Um, and then you have the police raids that just go wrong. And the notion that, you know what, if the police are going to do a raid, unless it's, you know, the, the sort of circumstance where a split second matters, a hostage situation or something like that, that generally the notion is police forces have gotten a little too comfortable with this. They've gotten a little too quick to use this in circumstances where it may not be necessary. And when you have uh, people like former EMTs who end up, uh, you know, getting shot in, this, in, in the crossfire in these sorts of situations. Well, then you got to rethink the strategy. You have to rethink, wait, what is our actual objective here? If our purpose is to search the place, our purpose is to arrest someone, our purpose is to, what is going to actually maximize our chances of avoiding this worst case scenario and someone who did not deserve to be shot getting shot and killed? look, maybe this ends up working badly for Louisville police. Maybe you end up with, um, within those 15 seconds, lots of people destroy evidence, they flush the drugs down the toilet, 
and all of a sudden, you know, you can't make convictions and they can go back and adjust that. But I think that it's good to see police forces rethinking their, their strategies and philosophies and saying, okay, if this ended up in an innocent civilian getting killed, at minimum, we should be rethinking how often we should be using this and in what circumstances we use it. So, uh, and if the police won't do it, then the city lawmakers will. So I'm glad to see it. Let's see how it works out. Uh, my suspicion is, is that this is probably going to prevent tragedies because that sort of maneuver, with somebody running through the door, guns ready to go, probably primed, full of adrenaline, ready to respond to anything they perceive as a threat. Look, as a police, you probably want to minimize that sort of uh, circumstance. And, you know, this looks like one step to, to get them closer to that situation. And based on the story that I've seen from Brown and Taylor's boyfriend, who I think was the subject of, of the raid, uh, he thought the, the apartment was just being broken into. I don't think he was, at least according to his lawyer, was not aware that it was the police. And so he grabbed his gun and started firing. And of course, that led to return fire. And so if there was, in fact, genuine confusion there, uh, that's another argument in favor of this. All right, let's move on to our good friends over at Gabby. If you need to save money on insurance, whether it's homeowner's insurance or auto insurance, Gabby can save you a lot of time, a lot of frustration because we're all looking for ways to save money right now, right? So when was the last time you actually looked at how much you're spending every month on car insurance or homeowner's insurance? Now's the time to check out Gabby and see about getting a lower rate for the exact same coverage you already have. Gabby takes the pain out of shopping for insurance by giving you an apples-to-apples -apples comparison of your current coverage with 40 of the top insurance providers. We're talking companies like Progressive, Nationwide, and Travelers. You just link your current insurance account, and in about two minutes, you'll be able to see quotes for the exact same coverage you currently have. So when Gabby came to us, they said, test this out. I said, okay. And so you go to the site and they lead you through a bunch of different prompts of very simple stuff. Uh, where do you live? Um, how old are you? That kind of stuff. And you just plug all that stuff in. Eventually you link to your current policy so they can see exactly what you have covered. And, and like Jim just said, within a couple of minutes, bam, you've got all these different options, all these different comparisons. You might save a ton of money, you might not. And the good news is, is that I was already uh, in a good shape with my auto insurance policy that I checked. But Gabby customers save an average of $825 per year. And if they can't find you savings, they'll let you know that so you can actually relax knowing that you really do already have the best rate out there. And here's another really important thing, because like I said, you got to give them some fairly personal information. They never sell your information. So you'll never have to deal with any annoying spam or robocalls. They protect the information that you submit there. So it's totally free to check your rate and there's no obligation at all. Take two minutes right now and see how much you can save on your car and homeowner's insurance. Go to Gabby.com slash martini. That's G-A-B-I dot com slash martini. Gabby.com slash martini. All right, Jim, let's head out to Chaz. Yes, Chaz is the independent nation that has formed in the Capitol Hill neighborhood of Seattle. The Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone is what Chaz stands for. Didn't they name Chaz? Was, wasn't he the uh, stuck-up fraternity kid on Back to School, that movie with Rodney Dangerfield? Same kid that played Johnny in Karate Kid. You know, that kid was, that actor was kind of like the quintessential 80s stuck-up bully. Uh, Chaz was, was the default name for every evil blonde guy in every <laughs> 80s movie. Usually he'd have a sweater wrapped around his shoulders. After. That's exactly what it was. And uh, so Chaz, all caps, has uh, been around for a number of days now. 
and they claim that they're not part of the United States. Um, as it turns out, there's been a disagreement from the chief of police there, Carmen Best, as well as the governor, Jay Inslee, and the mayor, Jenny Durkin, about whether the uh, police precinct should have been abandoned there. The police chief, not surprisingly, didn't want to abandon it. She lost that debate. So uh, the cops have pulled out, unless there's a 911 call. Apparently, the fire department did have to come in to literally put out a dumpster fire yesterday because, of course, there's no essential services in Chaz. But, uh, Jim, some people just live in a delusional world, and one of those people happens to be the mayor of Seattle. Because Jenny Durkin yesterday said, nothing's really different right now about the Capitol Hill neighborhood. It's always been like this. Take a listen. I just want to say, I know there's the anacronym that it is now the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. I got news for people. It's been autonomous my whole lifetime. And anybody who knows and loves Capitol Hill knows that to be true. So there you go, Jim. There's always been protests there. It's, uh, it's all the same. It's apparently not different that the cops are gone or that uh, it's an autonomous uh, America free zone. I'm not sure that's always been the case. So she told Chris Cuomo on CNN last night that it's really not uh, a dangerous situation. Uh, it's really more like a block party. It's a festive atmosphere. Meanwhile, the police chief is saying, yeah, actually, we've got reports now of robberies and rapes and uh, property damage and all sorts of things. So it's like some people just can't deal with reality when it goes against their narrative. You know, uh, I, I, earlier in this week, I'd written a column about our civil war of stupidity. Um, I am not the least bit surprised that the president, upon hearing about this, is, you know, probably from Fox News or maybe One American Network, has said, it's time to send in the troops, because that's President Trump's response to most of these things. Although, you know, the, he wants, all right, let's you know, send, in the, send in the military, you know, kind of stuff. But you and I had discussed earlier today that um, with a, you know, you know was it 10 block area or whatever it is, that produces nothing. Uh, it's not good. It's going to run out of food. And it's going to run out. It has no ability to generate resources. And if you basically, they, they themselves have voluntarily sealed themselves off, they haven't thought this through. Now, I haven't seen this myself, Greg, but I did hear a report that there was an attempt to start agriculture in this <laughs> Seattle neighborhood. And my understanding is it, it, it consisted of taking salad, not seeds, but salad, putting it about an inch underground and waiting it to, for it to grow. Now, this sounds kind of like this, the sequence in Idiocracy, where the crops were dying because they kept pouring a Gatorade-like substance. And this was, you know, whatever it is, you know, it's, got what, it's what plants need. But in fact, no, it was actually killing them. I don't think these people are going to be self-sustaining. I think these people, as long as they are not um, physically, you know, harming the people on the inside, you almost get the feeling, okay, you could avoid a violent confrontation by letting these people, you know, let reality kick in. Let, they want to set up Lord of the Flies, go right ahead, guys. You're going to find out it's a lot harder than you think. These are people who are generally not thriving, successful, hardworking, driven folks. These are folks who have basically decided they want to play warlord. And for some bizarre reason, the mayor has decided to go along with this. The, the first step to solving a problem, Greg, is to recognize that it's a problem. And the mayor really doesn't want to do that. She looks at her, uh, the electorate that, that put her into office and has basically concluded they're much more angry at Donald Trump than at the armed gangs that have basically decided to take over a neighborhood. And so she's saying, well, the real problem is, is Donald Trump. Um, we will see what happens. My suspicion is, do you, first of all, there are reports that there's um, um, you know, extortion from the businesses in the area. Uh, they are definitely seeing you know, barricades and uh, armed citizens of their own patrolling the streets. We talked yesterday about how they're uh, they basically are enacting their own uh, stop and frisk type things about strangers or people who aren't recognized. 
Is it a potentially dangerous situation? Sure. Is sending in either the army or the cops, you know, to, to retake this likely to end up in some sort of violent confrontation? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I'm thinking about this. Oh, Greg, it just hit me. I just realized how we can resolve this entire situation without any gunfire or other violence. Go. You know what else is going on in Washington State? What? Murder hornets. <laughs> just release the murder hornets. And, you know, this, those things are scary as all hell. And all of a sudden, like, oh, my goodness, I'm getting out. We surrender. Wouldn't take Who much. Who needs firearms? <laughs> I don't think these, uh, these people would have lasted too long in the first couple of years at Plymouth Rock. But... Uh, <laughs> Here's the, here's the bigger question, which is less funny, because I'm really enjoying the fact that we're taking a lighthearted approach to this today. But, you know, if you open your business ahead of social distancing relaxation, uh, the SWAT team showed up in Texas. Uh, that happened at a bar. We talked about that one day. There was a hairdresser in Texas who had to go to court. But uh, when it's the left who does this or just squats, literally sometimes, for Occupy Wall Street uh, in New York City or in Washington, D.C. for months at a time, which is clearly against the law. Uh, everybody looks the other way and acts like it's perfectly normal. So in this quest for everyone to be treated equally under the law, they're not treated equally under the law. I was going to say, Greg, uh, you know, what, what, what we have learned, certainly in Seattle, probably in New York City, where uh, de Blasio marched with the protesters, but also warned the Jewish community, this is your final warning, you know. Laws are enforced based upon who the elected officials are frightened of. Kind of saw this back with the, remember the, the you know, Draw Muhammad cartoons? Right? And, sure, you know, yeah. the, the, you know, in, intimidation works, right? The threat of violence works. That's why people do it. And when that happens, you can do one of two things. Either the people in authority can say, no. We are not knuckling under. We are not going to say you get to have your way because you've decided to threaten violence. The state is the only legitimate use of force in circumstances like this. We will reassort control. You do not run these streets. We do. Or they can pay the Dane Geld. Or they can say, all right, you're right. We're, we're, not, going to, you know, we're not going to stock any magazine that has a publication uh, as, as a cartoon of Muhammad in it because we're afraid somebody's going to firebomb our store. You, you get to exercise that sort of censorship over what kind of stuff we carry because we're genuinely frightened of you Muslims. But we actually, we're, you know, if say the, the Catholic nuns go out and protest or, or you, know, you know, other people protest, no, no, we're not afraid of them being violent. They're just gonna march around and carry signs. So we'll be fine with that. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll make fun of them. They're safe to make fun of. The other guys, eh, not so much. Same thing here. If you want to basically, you know, it, this is a very Clive Bundy situation, right? We got, you know, guys with guns saying, you know, the government doesn't, laws don't apply to me anymore. And here the mayor is saying, oh, okay. I mean, you know, if, if all of the MAGA guys in Chicago who attacked Jesse Smollett um, decided to set up their own <laughs> autonomous zone in downtown Chicago, do you think the Chicago police would say, the, the mayor would say, oh, it's okay, it's fine, do what you want to do? I mean, you know, I, I, I guarantee whatever the reaction is, it would probably involve a lot of profanity from the Chicago mayor because um, we've heard <laughs> a lot of that lately. That's what she does. I think as soon as the cops finished uh, taking a break in Bobby Rush's congressional office, they'd be right over <laughs> there to break it up. So if you haven't seen that, check it out. Uh, so Jim, you mentioned that uh, you got to stand up to, to these people. And of course, periodically over the past couple of weeks, we've seen the all caps law and order tweets from President Trump with, with nothing else. And yesterday I saw someone reply to that saying, yeah, I miss Fred Thompson too. Jack, I hope you know what you're doing. <laughs> Because right. if we lose this, that jury—if that jury comes back not guilty—they're going to laugh us all the way out to the outer boroughs. Very, very good, Jim. Of course, the original DA in that show 
Adam Schiff much preferable <laughs> to the current <laughs> Adam Schiff. You know, Greg, as far as we're concerned, that's still the good Adam Schiff. <laughs> that's right. Even though let's point out every episode, it seemed like he was having an asthma attack. Jack, I hope you know what you're doing. <laughs> Whenever Jack wanted to get aggressive with the prosecution, it, it always seemed to be interrupting Adam Schiff's lunch. And so it always yes. ended. And so uh, Jack would uh, give his righteous argument for whatever he wanted to do. And almost every time Schiff would just be, ah, make the deal. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the, the, Sam Waterston's power as Jack McCoy was that in the end, nobody really wanted to listen to him. Okay, fine. Go make the argument. You want the warrant? Go get the warrant. All right, on to our crazy martini now, Jim. And obviously, this also has a very nice, good streak to it as well. We referred to it in passing a couple of times now. A lot of folks concerned around Memorial Day weekend about uh, the images of the big pool party in Lake of the Ozarks. And obviously not social distancing, no masks. People were acting like it was summertime because Memorial Day is the unofficial start of summer. But uh, you had a lot of folks uh, having the vapors saying this is going to lead to a new outbreak. And then the data came in, and lo and behold, it hasn't at this point. There was one person who tested positive, and uh, you've apparently seen evidence that one other person who was around that weekend has now tested positive. But given that we're, what are we now, more than two weeks, almost three weeks from that weekend, it would appear that they're in the clear, which could mean some very good things about how aggressive this virus is. Yeah, so this is May 23rd, right? So you're, you're 31 days in May, that gives you eight Today's the 12th, we're now in the 20 day window, right? So well outside the traditional 14 day window, they ask people to self quarantine and do things like that. Uh, as of this morning, uh, there was, uh, this is according to KY3 over in Springfield, Missouri. There is one new case of that person who was at the same bar as the president of Boone County in mid Missouri who previously tested positive. So we've got looks, as far as we can tell, one case of one person catching it. And remember the vote, the images, you know, there were tons of people there. Um, now they were outside, which is, you know, probably helps a bit. It was in sunlight, it probably helps a bit, but obviously nobody's wearing masks and lots of people well within, you know, like never mind, you know, six feet apart, they're six inches apart. Throw in two hairstylists, by the way, also in Missouri, um, who had coronavirus and were symptomatic. They saw 140 clients and a lot of people, you know, health county officials like, oh my goodness, this is terrible. Uh, and then they checked and as far, you know, 46 of them took tests and took negative. Everybody else was quarantined and nobody has tested, has appeared to have caught coronavirus having their hair cut. Now these people were wearing masks, that's the good news, right? So between that and the other thing, I just put this up in a corner post that as we were discussing, posted up there. So we're now 14 days past May 29th. Uh, the pre oh, George Floyd was killed on May 25th. Protests really started the next day, continued and, um, you know, there have, over in the corner in the morning jolt, I've kept track of it. And there have been a handful of protesters, police officers, and National Guardsmen who have tested positive. But by no stretch of the imagination have we seen an overwhelming wave of infections. And considering the sheer number of people who are at these events, it's actually kind of small. Um, now, here's one cautionary note. This is really, we're talking about a wave of symptomatic infections. Um, now, medical researchers are trying to figure out exactly how many infections the coronavirus are gonna be asymptomatic, meaning you don't have symptoms. Uh, at least 30% is their best guess, and maybe it's up to 40, 45%, maybe even half, right? So it's possible some people have it, don't know it, and they're still walking around, and they think they didn't catch it. Uh, we should also point out a decent number of people at these protests wore masks. But when I said, you know, 14 days, 
really a good chunk of people, the average, the median is about five days, right? So if you've done something and you, you, you know, didn't feel any symptoms after five days, you're not totally in the clear, but you're looking pretty good. So if you look at that, that would take us back to like, eh, you know, the 7th of June, last Sunday, last, you know, Saturday to Monday. And there were a lot of protests in that time period. There were a lot of people who got together in, you know, contrary to health advice in, in large numbers. And we haven't seen it, we, at least you know, as we can tell, going back to these protests. There are a couple of states that have increases, but they are generally, um, you're, you know, the hospitalizations you're seeing are very often still connected to the nursing homes and elderly people and stuff. So look, maybe, maybe it's that so many of the protesters are young. They were more likely to fight it off. They were more likely to catch it. Maybe the masks were good. Maybe temperature helped. There are a whole bunch of factors you can look to and say, okay, maybe this isn't why it is bad, as bad as we thought it was going to be. But um, all in all, that Starcom is kind of interesting. So, I mean, Greg, you got to be thinking between, you know, the, the hairdressers wearing masks and not infecting anybody. Only two people or only one person catching it from another at that Lake of the Ozarks event. And the strikingly low number of confirmed cases that we can trace back to these protests over the last two weeks, or really, I guess now getting close to three weeks. You know, Greg, we maybe we're, we're going to be okay this summer. I mean, maybe we're, you know, maybe we can gather, we can wear our masks. We've got to be, you know, a, little, a couple you know, basic precautions, but by and large, maybe we can have something resembling a normal summer. And if that's the case, I think it'd be you know, absolutely terrific. Maybe we don't have to worry about crowds at a baseball game or crowds that, you know, Republicans are going to have their gathering in uh, uh, Jacksonville. I'd still rather see them do an outdoor, an outdoor event uh, for the president's speech and for other big events and for other ones. But, uh, you know, we'll see how things shake out. Uh, but anyway, I just thought it was good news. And just like, it's good, but it's almost crazy that we've seen people do things exactly what they're not supposed to do. And so far, sound of me knocking on wood. Actually, that's plastic. Hang on. There you go. Uh, you know, maybe we're not going to have big outbreaks this summer. And maybe it's safer to get together in outdoors than epidemiologists and virologists thought it was. Have you enjoyed watching the media try to put the toothpaste back in the tube after uh, the yes. protests, protests were fully condoned and now the Republicans are going to have an in-person convention and Trump is going to have rallies here at the end of next week starting and uh, they're just like, I can't believe they're doing this when the coronavirus is out there. You had your chance, people. Well, the great irony, you know, for, there, were, there were a bunch of you know, commentators, including uh, I think a couple of members of Congress who kept insisting, no, but it's different because it's later now or you know, some sort of, they, they you know, tie themselves in knots. But you know, I, I had watched these rallies and thought, eh, that does not look smart. That is, we're probably going to have an increase in cases. Yeah, a bunch of people wearing masks, but a bunch of people aren't. They're singing, they're shouting. This is exactly the sort of circumstance this is going to spread the virus. And so far, it's not. And so you look at that and you're like, okay, maybe something has fundamentally changed. But this has worked out really bad for the media because they had to suddenly drop their interest. They're going to try to reassert it for Trump rallies in, in uh, Oklahoma and other places. And not only are people going to ignore it, it might genuinely not be that dangerous. Now, again, wear your mask, people. And, you know, Trump's not a big fan of wearing masks. And I'm not sure there'll be a lot of folks wearing masks at his rallies. But again, if the hairdressers can do 140 people and none of them catch it, you know, maybe we'll be okay. We'll see. So anyway, that's the, op that's about as, it's been a very dark week, Greg. So this is about as cheery a note as we can end this, uh, this week's podcast. What's the, what's the story with Milwaukee? Is it a virtual convention now or is it still... They're still going to do it in August? What, what's the latest there? So I think the plan is to basically excavate entirely around Joe Biden's basement, <laughs> put it on a flatbed or a series of flatbreads and drive it till Milwaukee. So the virtual, he never actually has to leave the basement. The basement just comes, actually, I don't know. Last I heard, it's going to be all virtual. Um, 
And, you know, we will see. I think, you know, Trump thinks he's going to have this fantastic contrast of the virtual convention for the Democrats. By the way, if you have a bunch, if you have a virtual convention in which people are giving speeches with no audience, Greg, you realize it's like the response to the State of the Union over and over again. (laughs) Pause for applause, dead silence. Here's a joke. Pause for laughter, no laughter. It's going to be it's going to be very difficult to, to, to really make this anything resemble. It's not going to be a balloon drop. All the stuff that makes a convention a convention just isn't going to happen. And then you start raising the question, so do they really need to even go to Milwaukee? Could you, you know, just do it in Delaware? But anyway, um, and you know, the contrast, you know, Trump thinks it'll help him a great deal. We'll see. Maybe between now and then, Democrats start saying, hey, you know what? Maybe we can do some events in Milwaukee because we think the threat has been mitigated somewhat. But uh, my guess is they'll be uh, very cautious about that. Because, uh, hey, Nope. Nobody wants anybody coughing on Joe Biden these days. No, not at all. But if I'm the leaders of Milwaukee, I'm seeing this as uh, good hand, bad hand here, because on the bad side, you lose all the money from hotels and, and restaurants and that sort of thing. On the other hand, if nobody's there, the Bernie people can't destroy your city. So ah, there you go. All right. <laughs> I, I, I remember thinking this. I was lucky. Have we gone off on a tangent? Do, 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 our, do our listeners need to go anywhere? Because I've got one more anecdote. That's going to fascinate so in 1996, I and my college roommate went to Atlanta for the summer games. We had a great time. Um, I was in Centennial Park probably about 12 hours before the bomb went off. Um, but, uh, you know, I was like, oh, this is great. You know, but a lot of people had said this is going to be this great event for Atlanta. It's going to change the city. You've noticed year by year hosting a big event like a national political convention or the, uh, or the Olympics or some other event like that generally is turning into more and more of a headache. The secure, particularly the conventions, there's always a security issue. You got to bring in cops from all around. The protesters are always trying to make trouble and all that kind of stuff. And the, you know, there are probably people who have argued about whether it really gives the economic boom to the city um, that it's looking for. You kind of wonder at some point, like, you know, at, at some point, do conventions start becoming too much of a hassle that a city is like, you know what, we're going to do the big orthodontist convention. <laughs> Nobody protests them. There are no angry paper mache heads. Nobody's trying to mess with cops, you know. But in the end, I kind of wonder if the, the, the nature of our society and the, the propensity for not just protests, but oftentimes you know, burning flags or, or something that is potentially dangerous or, conf- or having a confrontation with police starts turning these conventions into more trouble than they're worth. The, there's two or three different uh, cycles there where Washington, D.C. wanted to uh, put in a bid for the Olympics. Thankfully, they never got yeah. that far. But uh, <laughs> every time that, that came up, I'm like, oh, please get rejected. Please get rejected. <laughs> The traffic here is already bad enough, but uh, fortunately, they never came close. Jim, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday. See you Monday, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Please don't forget about our good friends over at Gabby. Take two minutes to check your rate on your auto and your home insurance. Gabby, G-A-B-I dot com slash martini. Please subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a kind review. And you can get us on those home devices. Just say play three martini lunch podcast. And join us on Monday for the next Three Martini Lunch.